You are listening to a podcast from Vineyard Church of Augusta. For more information, visit vineyardaugusta.org. We are spending this month talking about non-anxious disciple-making. Jesus' directive was to go and make disciples, and that directive is for everybody here in this room. It's for everybody joining us online. Uh, It is for all of us. No exclusions, no exceptions. Uh, I don't care who you are. This is for all of us. And this instruction comes from someone who loves us all so much that he gave his, his body, his whole life, his whole being, uh, so that we could know the Father's love, so that we could daily live in the Father's love and the, the Holy Spirit living in us, making that love very real, so that we could have eternal life. And so Jesus loves us, he's for us, and he's promised to be with us as we go and make disciples. So with that in mind, why is it that this command to go and make disciples is such a point of anxiety, fear, guilt, and insecurity for so many of us. I mean, the person who's calling us to do this loves us so much. He is for us so much. And so why is it that sometimes when we, and even as pastors, uh, when, when we you know, go and make disciples and evangelize, and if that's not our natural gifting, I mean, uh, my middle name is not Billy Graham, all right? Uh, it, it just causes this knot in many of us. Why is that? I, we're looking at that this month. God, who is love, as John tells us in his letter, he desires that each of us first experience his love and then that we share his love with others. It's, it's really that simple. The God of love, he initiates this relationship of love. Uh, We cannot love apart from God first loving us. So we need to understand that, grasp that. We cannot even know the concept of of real love uh, apart from God. He initiates this, this love. He offers us his love. When we accept it, when we receive it, then we can express it back to him. That's what we call worship. But we're not supposed to stop there. We're also supposed to express that love to others around us. Jesus expressed it in a way that we know as the great commandment. And it's, uh, it's found in Matthew 22. Uh, Jesus is responding to someone who asked him a question about what's, what's the most important commandment. And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your mind. And this is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it to love your neighbor as yourself. So after Jesus made the ultimate demonstration of God's love here on earth by dying for each one of us and for all of humanity uh, on the cross, paying my debt of sin and your debt of sin and the debt of sin of all humanity after his resurrection and before he ascended back to heaven to be with Father God, he gave the instruction to go and make disciples, what we refer to as the Great Commission. And let's never forget this, that the Great Commission's directive to go is predicated on the Great Commandment's instruction to love. Remember that. Because anything that we would seek to do 
uh, or live out in the way of disciple-making or in the way of evangelism. If it lacks love, just leave it alone. Love needs to be the motivation for anything that we do in the name of disciple-making and evangelism. It's imperative. Again, to remind you of what the Great Commission is in Matthew 28. Again, this is after Jesus' death, after his resurrection, before he ascends to go to the Father. Jesus came to his disciples and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is what God is doing. God is inviting us to join with him in his anxiety-free, joy-filled, and love-infused mission to the world. That's what he's inviting all of us to, uh, to generously And I want to say even playfully, go sow seeds of love. And I knew that this was uh, what I was supposed to preach on today when I had tears for fears sowing the seeds of love come up on my workout playlist yesterday. (laughs) Thank you, Lord, for the confirmation, right? Yes. We're going to look at the parable of a sower in Matthew 13 this morning. And this is one of many of Jesus's parables that he taught. About a third of his teaching was actually in the form of a parable, a short story from everyday life of stuff that the people that he was teaching to would be able to relate to, but they would be able to, he would be able to illustrate amazing spiritual principles, and he does that in Matthew 13 on the seed of the sower. Uh, Matthew 13, verse 1, that same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat, and he sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. And then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed, and as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. And the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. And still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. Would you pray with me? Father, Son, Holy Spirit, give us ears to hear your heart this morning, Lord. Your heart for us, your heart for those in our lives, in our community, in our world who do not have a relationship with you, Lord. Help us to to know your heart. Help us to, to more fully Receive and live in your love. And Lord, help us to be ready to to just sow the seeds of love that you've placed in us and entrusted to us. Holy Spirit, open our eyes to see the amazing work that you are inviting each one of us to join you in here on earth in our everyday lives. Help us to see what you're doing, to hear what you're saying, and give us courage of heart to join with you 
in your amazing work. Thank you for the privilege and for the honor. We love you and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I am not a farmer. I know that probably surprises a lot of you. Um, And I've never played one on television either. Um, However, I do care for a vineyard. Does that count, right? Yes. But growing up in Lincoln County, we lived out on some acreage, and um, we, had a, we had a garden. I, I do remember my parents, when we were clearing out the lot, saying, I remember tennis court. Somehow, tennis court was there as we're, as we're cleaning this area up, but it never ended up being a tennis court. It was a garden. And uh, every year, my dad would get a friend of his who had a tractor to come over and till up the soil and then lay out these beautiful, neat rows. And uh, in the spring, we'd get out there and we would get our garden hose and we'd get our seeds and plants and we would methodically pick out which rows would have which vegetables and uh, we'd get, the, get the, the measuring stick or get our little guide and every 12 or 18 inches, we would dig those holes and we would put a specific number of seeds based on whatever the plant was, whether it was okra or butter beans or green beans. And uh, it, was, it, was, it was really nice. I, it, was a, it was a really fun experience and uh, great vegetables. I love all kinds of vegetables. And, uh, and the rows would be, you know, really nice. We got sort of like the picture here, not quite this pretty, not quite this pretty because we didn't do lettuce, but, but the nice little neat rows, they were there. Uh, we had everything sort of spaced apart. So when I read the parable of the sower, I'm more inclined to believe that, that God is calling us to plant seeds to share the good news of Jesus Christ, not so much like the picture of the garden that we just saw, but more like this picture, more like a picture of just wildflowers in a meadow, just sort of random, sort of like scattered, Sort of like just, you know, just like seeds were being thrown from, uh, a co- you know, a confetti uh, gun or from a ticker tape parade. Just, just randomly, almost playfully, just, just sown seeds everywhere with little regard as to where they land and whether or not they grow. A lot of times when we read Matthew 13, the parable of the sower, our focus is on the quality and the, the condition of the soil. And we certainly need to, to make note of that uh, to realize that, you know, that there, that is a factor. But I want us to make sure that we also understand that we are not called to judge soil. We're not. We cannot know people's hearts. We cannot know what's going on in their hearts and their minds and their lives. We're not called to judge soil. We're not called to say, well, I'm not going to throw any, so- any seeds over there because I don't think that's good soil. Uh, or maybe, you know, we're in a situation where we have shared the good news of Jesus Christ with someone and they did not respond maybe in a way in the moment that we had hoped that they would. And, and maybe we walked away saying, well, that was bad soil. We, we, we can't make that assessment. We don't know what God is doing in the hearts and lives of individuals. And so uh, we, we, we don't judge whether someone or some situation is good soil or bad soil if there is a lack of response or if there is receptivity to our uh, sharing our faith. It isn't our call to judge soils, but the Lord does call us to spread the seed of his word as we go along our daily lives and we trust God 
with the growth. We trust him. We, we don't, it's not about performance. It's not about us making ourselves look good with the fruit that comes up or the plants that, that grow. That's not at all what it's about. So we, are, we don't focus on the soil, okay? Uh, that's, that's the takeaway I want us to have. We need to be aware there are different kinds of soil. There are different levels of receptivity to God's word, but we trust him with that. We do our part in just uh, sowing seeds of love. Uh, we need to understand, I think, in our modern mindset and even our postmodern mindset, we have this thing of, okay, if someone did not immediately respond to my sharing my story about God's goodness or his love, if they didn't in that moment, that we're like, oh, I failed. And it's like, no. Evangelism is rarely, rarely ever a one-and-done endeavor, okay? It is rarely. It's about seeds being sown uh, many, many times, in many situations, days, weeks, months, years, uh, till God brings forth uh, really, really good fruit, and a person responds. Uh, and so the, the sower invites us to join him in his work of lavishly sowing all kinds of seeds of his love, understanding and knowing that, that we can't save people. You and I can't save people. Only God can draw people to his son by the Holy Spirit. And that that's not something any of us can do. Our part is to be faithful, to be obedient in sowing uh, seeds of his, of his love, of his goodness, of his truth, of his life, knowing that his word will not return void. And so we can do that. So there's all kinds of seeds. And I want to talk to you about some of the kinds of seeds that I want us as a church to, to join together, to collectively and individually begin sowing into our community. The first one is seeds of prayer, okay? Uh, prayer is something we all are invited into, talking to God from our hearts not with fancy language, not with hyper-spiritual ease. It's just talking to God like he's right there because he is. Talking to him about the things that are going well, the things we're happy about, the things we're disappointed about, the things we're frustrated and sad about, whatever it is, talking to him about that. And we need to know this, that when we pray for someone to be saved, for someone to have a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit living inside of them, we don't ever have to wonder if we are praying in the will of God. We can know this is the will of God for everyone. It is God's will that none would perish, that none would uh, leave this world without knowing his love, uh, without being in relationship with him and knowing and experiencing his life. Um, when Jesus taught his disciples to pray when he was here on earth, he told them to pray this, you know, the Lord's Prayer. Uh, let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we pray that a lot. We sing that a lot in our worship, inviting the rule and reign of God, the kingdom of God to come. And the ultimate expression of God's kingdom coming to a person is the gift of salvation. It's the ultimate expression of God's rule and reign invading an individual's life. And so I remind you, just pray, Lord, let your kingdom come to someone that the Lord is, is, is placing on your heart, someone that you would love to see uh, come to faith in Jesus Christ. 
uh, to begin praying that, Lord, let your kingdom come to this person. And, and if you're not already doing this, I actually want to invite you, our church family, if you're part of our church family, I want to invite all of us to begin uh, today and over the next 21 days uh, joining together to, to pray specifically for, for people who don't yet have faith in Christ or, or maybe uh, that you'd have an opportunity to, to have spiritual conversations with them. If you look around in the pockets of your seats, there is a little 21-day prayer campaign card. Uh, and this is just a little tool to help you, help all of us to remember uh, to do this. It's a place for three names, to write down the names of three people that the Holy Spirit might bring to mind, even, even right now or maybe later this morning or throughout this week that you would just uh, write them down. Maybe it's someone that, you know, that, that's a good friend. Maybe the Holy Spirit's leading you to pray for someone that you don't like a whole heck of a lot. Uh, maybe it's, it's a, a new neighbor. Maybe, I don't know who it is, but the, I believe that the Lord wants to, to give you at least three names that you could just jot down here. And then uh, the prayer that I just shared with you is from Luke chapter 11, verse 2. And if you want to, the consistency, uh, what if you set an alarm every day for 11.02 a.m. or p.m. if you're, if you're a night owl, uh, to pray, Lord, let your kingdom come. Let your kingdom come to this person. Let them come to know you as the forgiver of their sins and the leader of their lives. Let them receive your gift of salvation. Let them be open to, to good seeds of your love and your truth and your kindness in your mercy and grace. And then be open and expectant to, to see how God might use uh, those kind of opportunities as they unfold, whether they are for you or for someone else who might have a chance to sow seeds of love in their hearts and lives. I, I just wanna encourage you to do that. There is nothing of eternal consequence that happens apart from prayer. And so it's vitally important that we say yes to God's invitation to partner with him, to bless what he desires to do, to say, Lord, we know this is your will that everyone would come to know you, to know your love, to receive your love, to live in your love, and then to share your love. Help me be a part of that. Would you guys do that? And as you were praying for, we're praying for our city, we're praying for the CSRA, we're praying, uh, there's a very simple prayer here on the back, Heavenly Father, I pray for my city, Lord. Let your kingdom come and your will be done across the nation. Holy Spirit, Spirit, come and fill me today that I might share the love and good news of Jesus to those around me, amen. Let that be a prayer that just sort of uh, begins that. And then whatever else the Holy Spirit is leading you, the names of the, the three specific people or more. But seeds of prayer. Begin with seeds of prayer. That's something all of us can do. Uh, what about seeds of listening? Now, a lot of times when we talk about uh, evangelism or disciple making, it's more about what we say, or at least we think that's what is appropriate, what we're saying, what we're telling people. Uh, and so often that has been our model for discipleship and for evangelism, the believer talking and the person who is not yet in faith with Jesus uh, listening. But, but when that is our model, too often we're just giving prepared talking points. And we're not really speaking to the heart of an individual who's giving us the opportunity to have an audience with them. 
And so uh, when we do more listening, both to the person sitting in front of us and to the Holy Spirit, when we take the time to set aside our agendas and pick up the agenda of what the Holy Spirit is doing and what the person is dealing with in front of us when we are able to hear their question and recognize more of what the Holy Spirit is doing in their hearts and lives, then we are able to, to speak to those things rather than just putting out a bunch of talking points that may be completely irrelevant to that person in that moment. I am reminded of the words, the instructions, the wisdom of the Apostle Peter in 1 Peter 3. He says, in your hearts, revere Christ is Lord and always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, not the faith that you have, but the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. It is not lost on me that this is coming from foot and mouth, impetuous Peter, all right? The, the work of the Holy Spirit in this man's life is just an amazing uh, work in progress where we see you know, him denying Christ and then we, we see him on the day of Pentecost after being filled with the Holy Spirit and him going to the streets and thousands coming to faith in Christ. And here we see him you know, now saying, make sure that, that you are, are ready to give an answer. And, and it also begs the question, uh, you know, are people, are we living our lives in alignment with the kingdom in such a way that it prompts people to actually ask questions? Why, why do you choose to live this way instead of the way that everybody else lives? Why, why do you spend time uh, caring for the poor? Why do you uh, spend time serving? Why do you, why's this Sunday morning worship thing? Why is this, why do you do that every week? Why, why are you involved in, in, in giving your resources or your time or your energy uh, to, to things that really, you know, that where you could be using them for something else? Are we living in a way that actually prompts people to ask us questions uh, about our faith, about, about why? And when I read these words from Peter, you know, it's just, that's something that, that, that I have to ask myself about. And I'm also reminded that sharing the good news of Jesus is so much less about quoting scripture. And it's more about sharing the reality of the power of God's word in our lives. It's that, that's the difference. It's about sharing our God stories of how, yeah, uh, we read scripture and we see it come alive in our hearts and lives and then we share those personal stories I asked Kathy Ogletree, our office manager, if I could share this story this morning. Um, as many of you know, uh, Kathy lost her husband, Mark, back in, in, in the month of May, very unexpectedly. Uh, and it's been a very, very difficult thing for Kathy and her family, as you can only imagine. Uh, but she is a rock, and God has been so good and gracious to her. And not only, you know... Um, Mark was involved with running their restaurant that they own, Cheeseburger Bobby's, and that was his main thing. Uh, Kathy would help some, but you know her primary role was here at the church, working with us uh, as our office manager. And so uh, she's she's had a lot on her plate over the last couple of months, and she's been a rock. And, and she was sharing with the staff a few weeks ago at a staff meeting how she was going to deal with some of the legal things with the business and getting everything now completely just in her name. 
and, and how several people, attorneys and different people that she's working with are like, Kathy, how are you doing this? How, how are you able to do this? And she's like, God has been with me. He has been with me. His presence has been with me. He's been preparing me in ways that I had no idea of. He is with me, and I've got this amazing support uh, system with a church family and, and my own family. And to be able in that moment to share the reality of God's word, uh, that he will be our comforter, that he is our present help in time of need, and this is the way he has expressed that in the midst of my tragedy. The reality of that that it is about sharing the reality of the power of God's word. His word is powerful. It's living. It's active. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. And, and, and people, they're, they're looking. They don't want to just hear us quote scripture at them. They want to know, how is this real in your life? And so for us, it's imperative that as we have those conversations, as people are asking us the questions, that, we, that we're ready to share the reason for the hope that we have in situations like this. Share your God stories. Share your God stories uh, as you listen and have opportunity to do that. And then sow seeds of kindness. This is, this is the, you know, this is the full gamut. The sky's the limit here. All kinds of creative things that the Holy Spirit will invite us into. We're talking random acts of kindness. We're talking giving your time, your attention, your money, your energy, your advocacy for someone. It's about just keeping our ears and our eyes open to the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit is doing in the hearts and lives of people around us every day. New neighbors, new classmates, new coworkers, the new server at your favorite restaurant, a new face that sort of suddenly emerged in your old routine. Or maybe it's someone that you've seen every day for the last four years at the office, but for some strange reason, the Holy Spirit is almost like highlighting them to you. God, what are you doing in that person, and how would you have me bless what you are doing in that situation? Sowing seeds of kindness will likely require us to be willing and open to being interrupted. And for some of us, that's, that's going to be asking a lot. But I know that that's part of God's plan, that he wants to interrupt our plans and our routines. But let's be honest, are less than life-giving in many situations, that are less than joy-filled, that are very often sort of boring, okay? He wants to interrupt those with opportunities for us to enter in and join him with what he's doing, to share his love, to share his grace, his goodness. And we have to ask ourselves the question, am I willing to let God's kingdom, his rule and reign, interrupt my routine? Are we willing to let God do that? Um, I want to tell another story. This is about Brenda Cardo. Brenda is a part of our, our visitation team. Uh, it's a newly formed uh, team that we've got folks that are going to visit people in the hospital and people who are sick at home, uh, a wonderful team that just got launched this summer. And uh, Brenda was visiting someone at the hospital. 
And she went and she visited, had a nice visit with a person from our church family at the hospital. Um, And she is leaving the hospital. She's on the elevator. And someone on the other side of the elevator, it was a young man on the other side of the elevator, was like, it was almost like he was having a panic attack. It's like, I got to get out of here. I got to, and she's, he's just saying this to himself, but she's obviously can hear him. And so Brenda is like, okay, Lord, should I do something here? What should I do? And I've been there. You know, I'm like, okay, God, should I do something or not? And the uh, elevator gets to the bottom floor. The guy gets out, goes one direction, and Brenda goes in the other. And then Brenda shared with me, she goes, and I felt sort of slimed, just like, oh, missed opportunity, God. I'm so sorry. I should have been more assertive. And, uh, you know, the guilt was trying to set in and the sort of the shame and condemnation. And then she goes around the corner and she meets him again. God of second chances, right? And so she went over to him and she said, I couldn't help but notice that you seem very distraught. And he had just found out that his dad had passed away. And it was overwhelming. And Brenda, who uh, I don't think she would definitely necessarily consider herself uh, an assertive prayer warrior in public, but in that moment recognized that God gave her an opportunity. And she said, could I pray for you right now? And she did. And she said, Lord, let your kingdom come. Bring peace. And, and, and so she did that right there in the lobby of the hospital. And the guy hugged her and thanked her. And it's just being open and aware of those opportunities. She went as faithfully to do her assignment that day to go visit the person. And she did it, and she did it well. And that person was blessed. But then there was another opportunity that wasn't scheduled, that wasn't planned. And Brenda, I'm so proud of you for recognizing that and thankful that God He gives us those second chances to learn from. That's awesome. So just whatever those seeds of kindness look like, just be open to them, be, be ready, uh, and be, again, willing to be interrupted. I would also say seeds of invitation. And, and you know, with going through COVID, coming on the backside of COVID, there's still a lot of folks that are still very much cloistered emotionally and even some physically. And we have to make room in our lives uh, to, to be people who are inviting folks into our lives. Again, making space, making room. And this is an extrovert's and an introvert invitation, okay? This is not just for extroverts. I, I gotta say this, uh, I'm married to a, an amazing introvert, and many of you probably would not think that Mary Margaret was an introvert, but she is. And um, I gotta say, I believe that people are more responsive to invitations from introverts. I do, there's, there's a vibe, or at least maybe I'm just a bad extrovert, maybe that's it. But there is, there's almost like a, an empathy, maybe, an empathy or a compassion. But I, I say that this is for everybody. This is not just a, something for extroverts, this is for extroverts and in, introverts. It's about making space for new relationships, and, you know, I'm a Seinfeld fan, and, you know, uh, they're awful. But anyway, I, I, I love, you know, no, I've got enough friends. I don't have room for any more friends. And, and sometimes we don't say that, but sometimes we, we act that way, if we're really honest. And for us to be the people carrying out the great commission in the spirit of the great commandment, we've got to make space, folks. 
we got to make space, and God will bless that. He will bless that time. He will, he will bless it. He will expand it. Uh, inviting a, a new coworker out to lunch, inviting a new neighbor over for dinner, having coffee with a parent of one of your, your kid's friends from school. And, and maybe, those, maybe those invitations will initiate some spiritual conversations. Maybe they will, maybe they won't. But if it happens, then, you know, as those conversations happen, maybe it's inviting someone to our Alpha course. Uh, that's going to be coming up in, in September. We're going to be kicking off another Alpha course and a wonderful introduction to Christianity. Maybe it's inviting someone to a small group. We've got a number of small groups going to be kicking off again. Roger will be sharing more about that next Sunday. Uh, uh, they'll be kicking off in September as well. Uh, maybe it's inviting someone to come with you on Sunday morning. But people are more open to our invitations than we realize, especially, especially when they know that we have a vested interest in them and their families and that we care for them, that this is not something we're doing out of some sort of guilt or some sort of you know, spiritual notch on our belt kind of thing or something like that. That's not it at all. But it's just that we care for them and that we are experiencing God's love and his goodness in the sense of a Christ-centered community. And we want to give them the opportunity to experience that as well. No pressure nothing that would be forced on them or anything contrived, but just that we are all called to faithfully sow seeds of God's love and to trust him, God, to take care of the results. I can't save anybody. You can't either. That's not something that any of us can do, but God invites us to faithfully sow seeds of his love, to trust him to take care of the results, and all we have to do is play our parts. The apostle Paul put it this way, He said, I, Paul, planted seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their own uh, labor. There's another um, helpful reminder from the Apostle Paul. Be anxious for nothing. Remember that from our June sermon series? Remember that one? Be anxious for nothing, including disciple-making and evangelism. Really. This is not something for us to get anxious about or fearful about. It is something uh, for all of us to remember that God loves us, that he is for us, that he is with us in the person of the Holy Spirit as we go plant seeds. And so that's what we're called to do. Go plant seeds. Go plant lots and lots and lots of seeds. And guys, let's have fun doing it. Really. I I challenge you as I challenge myself. This is a, a whimsical, this is a just playful kind of invitation that I see God inviting us into, particularly if we have been followers of Jesus for a period of time, and all of a sudden we realize, wow, where is the joy? Where is the joy in my salvation? Remember, the kingdom of God, it's a kingdom of joy. And as we go, never forget this, that in the kingdom of God, success is based on one thing, and it's not results. It's our obedience. It's our obedience. I want to leave, uh, finish this up this morning with this. 
Um, this is from the message. And worship team, if you guys want to come, go ahead and come up. Um, because I know that for some, this message of disciple-making and evangelism, it's a, it's a heavy thing because we feel like, I just haven't been successful. I've tried. And it's just like, I just haven't seen the fruit. I, I'm not seeing people. People just like, get away. In uh, frustration. And I understand that. I've experienced that in my own life. And I just continue to be reminded of these words from Jesus. And I'm going to put these on the screen. This is the, the uh, paraphrase of the message, but I love the way this is said. And maybe if you are someone who's more of an audible learner, maybe you might just want to close your eyes. And this, these are the words from Jesus that he's asking his disciples just actually a couple of chapters before he gives this parable of the, the seed uh, sower. Jesus asked, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you will recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll live to learn freely and lightly. Jesus, we thank you for this invitation. Holy Spirit, help us to more fully join you, engage you in what you're doing and what you want to do in our hearts and lives and in the hearts and lives of people around us. And Lord, as we worship you, I pray more than anything else that we would all experience greater depths of your love for us. How much you love us how much you care for us, how much you are for us, and how you are with us. Lord, let that be the foundation from which we live our lives every day. In Jesus' name, amen.